185 Miles South, a hardcore punk rock podcast. corner the challenger fighting out of the hard corner from Tehachapi, california forged in the flames of chaos it's andy the ill communicator die hard and his opponent fighting out of the core corner from parts unknown weight unknown reason he didn't pick minor threat in the straight edge super seven unknown it is the reigning Defending undisputed 185 miles south trivia champion of the world, Daniel. These questions are too easy. Sand. All right, and the first question goes to Andy Diehard. Andy, according to a hit song off the Seven Seconds LP, The Crew, how? Long does the singer plan on being young until until he dies? A point to Andy. All right, point out the gate. Hey, that's Man. better than last time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we go to Dan for his question number one. Dan on the Judge LP, bringing it down. Four dudes are easily seen behind the barrier in that cover shot. True <laughs> or false? One has a goatee. Well, you've got to question yourself, like, okay, how many members behind that barrier are completely bored out of their brains? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, this is youth crew. There's no goatees. No. So you're going false. I'm saying false. There are no goatees. A point to the champ. Yeah, dude, some clean-shaven youth crew kids on that Judge LP cover. And uh, yeah, there was a myriad of questions that I could have gone with off that. And they were all like, I think Ben's going to pick these apart. You know, <laughs> what percentage of people are bald? You know, but you couldn't really tell. Um, okay, we go to Andy for a second question. Andy, Javier from the band The Warriors has a last name that rhymes with which form of martial arts? Karate. That's right. It is Javier Zarate. And a point to Andy. Okay, we go to Dan. Shout out, Javi. What's up, dude? Okay, shout out to Dan, also the champ. And here is his question number two. Dan, what type of flower is mentioned in the song titles on the first Last Resort LP? Rose. A point to the champ from the song Rose of England. How about that? Okay, we go to Andy for his question number three. Andy, multiple choice on the debut seven inch on back to basics by the Sacramento band hoods. Did they appear as a, the hoods B Sacto hoods C the Sacto hoods or D hoods. Oh gosh. Uh, I should actually know this one. Um, I'm going to say the Sacto Hoods. We go to Dan for the potential steal. Dan, on the debut 7-inch on Back to Basics by the Sacramento Band Hoods, did they appear as A, the Hoods, B, 
Sacto Hoods, C, The Sacto Hoods, or D, Hoods? Hoods. D. Point to the champ. There it is. All right. Let me go back to Dan for his question number three. Dan, the Blitz all-out attack 7-inch was release number one on No Future Records in 1981. Multiple choice. What was the catalog number? Was it A, Oi 1? Was it B, Boots 1? Was it C, Gins <laughs> 1? Or was it D, NF 1? <laughs> that... Uh, I, I just want to say uh, <laughs> Boots won because it's so ridiculous, but I'm not going to. Um, you've got me thinking it can't be NF1 because that would be like National Front 1. I'm going OI1. A point of the champ. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we go to Andy for his question number four. Andy, the Partisans Police Story slash Killing Machine 7-inch was release number two on No Future Records in 1981. Multiple choice. What was the catalog number? A, Oi 2, B, Boots 2, (laughs) C, Skins 2, or D, and F2? I'll go... Oi, too, but I'm probably wrong still. <laughs> Don't point to Andy. Oh, man. You know what, That's Andy? That, that, those questions being in a row were designed to make my head explode because I invariably I may have got the first one wrong and then you w- would have been told what it was and then get the second one to make me just jump out a window. Zach knows my. Uh, my Alzheimer's kicking in already. Dude, if it would have played out like that, Dan would have lost it. I would have exploded. <laughs> like a spinal tap drummer. All right. Well, let's keep it rolling. Dan, question number four. No Future Records was based out of this county in England, which is also a critical ingredient in a Bloody Mary cocktail. Huh. Bloody Marys made up of tomato juice, right? Vodka, uh, Tabasco. County. None of those sound like counties to me. Um, God, uh, well, I'm, I'm just. I, I, what else is in a Bloody Mary? Am I also going to get edge watched? Uh, Dude, for, I don't have the uh, John Brandon button because I erased it from Monster X. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, oh, do, do, okay. Tabasco is not this thing. It's Worcestershire, right? Ooh. A point to the champ. Oh, yeah. Good pull. That, good pull. That's the probably the record for you. Thinking out loud the longest and actually getting the answer correct. Yeah, that was impressive. He's a champ for a reason, people. Take off your hats. I got to admit, my wife was whispering in that in my ear. Oh. <laughs> I would have little cheaties. No, no cheating, but, wife. Hey, but that's uh, why Andy is the nicest guy in the world. See, he owned up to the cheating, unlike oh, no. uh, Laptop Open Dan. 
Okay. <laughs> Go to Andy for his question number five. Andy, true or false? The Mind Force LP Excalibur and the Impossible Whopper at Burger King both debut in 2018. Uh, I'm going to say false. Point to Andy. The Impossible Whopper is 2019, and Excalibur, everyone knows, record of the year, 2018. What's up? I definitely knew the Impossible Whopper was 2019, but... Do you know when the the Beyond Burger at Carl's was, Dan? Also 2019. That was a confusing one because I think they signed the deal in December 2018, but all the data was from 2019. So it was too confusing, and I didn't use it. Ah. Um, A little peek behind the curtain, people. Smash that Patreon button. Okay. That's some good research. 2019, one year apart. (laughs) True, true. I know. So back on the uh, the Ben shit list there. Okay. (laughs) You go to Dan for his question number five. Dan, on the self-titled Die Hard Youth 7-inch, the band is depicted playing live at what California venue? Well, I'm just going to – I mean, it has to be Jerry's Pizza. We go to Andy for the potential steal. Now, Andy, dive deep into your brain and see if you can pull this one out. On the self-titled Die Hard Youth 7-inch, the band is depicted playing live at what California venue? At Ohio Women's Club. A point to Andy. Generation fucked. Todd Jones. Get it, dude. Shout out, Todd. (laughs) Epic steal, epic steal, <laughs> and a rare time you hear Andy Diehard curse. So, everyone, how about that? Okay, let's go to Andy for his question number six. Let's keep this rolling. Andy, on the Gorilla Biscuits 7 inch, the self titled 7 inch, the gorilla is wearing what brand of hoodie? Uh, champion. A point to Andy. He's on a roll, baby. <laughs> and we go to Dan. Question number six. Dan, the death threat over my dead body split seven inch on bridge nine records was bridge nine. Number 18 name, either bridge nine, 17 or 19. Oh, this is a good one. Um, Striking distance. We go to Andy for the potential steal. Andy, the death threat over my dead body split seven inch on bridge nine records was bridge nine. Number 18. Name either Bridge 917 or Bridge 919. I'm going to say some kind of hate outbreak. No points play? this round. Number 17 was the Panic Dying for a 7-inch, and uh, number 19 was the Carry On LP. Uh, Fuck, I almost said that too. I thought those splits were together. Oh, all right. Well, catalog number-wise, who knows? You know, As far as a catalog number, that's all I got. Um, okay, so let's do this. What? Okay. All right, let's it's go to Ben. Okay. It's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to referee Ben Edge for uh the subtotals as long as what this round is all as well as what this round is all about. Yeah. So Dan has five points and Andy has six points. You can wager as many points as you like for this round. 
So let's start with Dan. How many points would you like to wager? You have five. Oh, God. And to clarify, this is a daily double round, so he's wagering to get the points. Just kill or lose me. them. <laughs> Just kill me, please. <laughs> well, um, I'll go all in if you go all in. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll make it a true daily double, please, Zach. A, a gentleman's round. And also, this is gnarly, dude, because we might get our first tiebreaker. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Dan's going all in. Andy's going all in. Andy, let's see what we got here. You got to get that green button, and here we go. Oh, I got is this me? Wait, yeah, who's going? Dan or me? That is Andy. That is oh, Andy. Andy. Two more times. Two more times. Here you go. One more time. <laughs> you don't know what it is. Hey, can my can my son? Can I give a phone in to my son? <laughs> no, you cannot. All right, <laughs> you can, you you think what you know what it is. All right. Uh, I think I know. One that's, more time. Sorry, my kid. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Ignorance of your life once before. Close, but he says, we fell victim to your lies once before. Everybody, oh, sing along! Totally, totally get it now. <laughs> if you're wise to the game, you know what's up. Okay, Dan, hey, here we go. I will say this. My, my son did know what song it was. He's there was... <laughs> You might need this to be your one, next guest. <laughs> <laughs> this is one where the people at home might know it, you know? So, because uh, that's a hit. That song kicks ass. All right, Dan, we go to you. And this is the yellow button. Here we go. What? Intro, dude. <laughs> You've listened to it how many times? You got the home court advantage. What? You're just a memory. Yeah, she says, one thing we share is. Everybody sing along. Okay. Uh, I got that one. <laughs> okay. He actually does say it. Yeah, he actually he does. He I does. cannot complain. All right, we go to Ben for the totals. Ugh. All right, Dan had five points. He wagered five points. He lost them all because no one ever gets this, uh, the answers right on this round. Uh, Andy had six points. He wagered six points. He lost them all because no one ever gets the answers right on this round. So we have a tie, zero to zero. This is a first. How are we going to handle okay. this, Zach? Well, Ben, I've been planning ahead for this for a while. And uh, if you see that little uh, tab at the bottom that says tiebreaker, Uh-oh. Um, there are two things here. And <laughs> which one do you want to do, Ben? Let's do this one. Do you see where I'm? Yep. Yep. Oh, Although so I, they... I wonder if we should say, I wonder if we should save that one. 
and do okay. the other one. Okay. Which other I'm one? Saying? This this one here? That one in the uh the A column, yeah. I'm not gonna be much help, but yeah, let's do it. Well, we're just gonna have to check them off and uh and okay, so here's how it goes. Dan, you're gonna go first. You're gonna name something and you're gonna go back and forth, and the first guy to run out loses. Okay. <laughs> this is rough. We didn't plan on this. We are doing mad ball songs of the nineteen nineties. Dan. Name one and give me a second so I can mark it off. Okay. Set it off. And it is marked off. Andy, go ahead. Oh, the 90s? Uh, Pride. Time to change it. Yep. Let us mark it, and then we will go back to Dan. It's two above, Ben. I got it here. Mm. Okay. All right, Dan, next song. The one that Ben should be into, but he's being stubborn across your face. Got it. Back to you, Andy. Uh, 1990. Um, 1990s, the whole decade. Um, gosh, dude. Um, spit, on, spit on your grave. There we go. You got it, Ben. And we go back to you, Dan. Demonstrate my style. Got it for Dan. Go to Andy. Uh, um, Could be a victory. He's on the ropes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 1990s. Hold it, hold it down. Or is that my the wrong year? Sorry. Uh, it's the year 2000. The oh. champ is still the champ. Oh. Well, New York City. Well deserved. Dan, Dan, how do you feel about that? I I feel good. I feel Andy came to play. The whole family backing him up. But I hate to make I hate to make his wife and child cry. I had to put him down. Well, there you go. Hey, they they knew I lost to the best though. That's right. There's only one champ. You know that. Way to go, dude. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we got a good one for you. We're going new. We're going old. We're going in the middle. And that's what's up. I think you're going to like it. Helping out. You know him. You love him. It is the best dressed man on the pod. It is Daniel Sant. What's up, Dan? Canton, Colvin, Nichols. This one's for you. That's right. The original version, dude. What's up? Also helping out, it is Ben Merlis, a.k.a. Ben Edge, a.k.a. Bedge. What's up, Ben? What's going on, bro? Him. <laughs> <laughs> and also helping out, it is the Mighty Mighty Posse Chris. What's up, Chris? Uh, hey. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? All right, dude. So we want to uh, talk some new shit to start this off. There's like a bunch of stuff popping you know, 2021 was great, and 2022 is looking promising. So, let me hit that sweet E-Town music. All right, the first band we want to get into is a band out of the Pacific Northwest. They're dope, so of course, Chris is the one that hipped them to me. And uh, they're called Denial of Life. They put out a lathe cut 7-inch in the year 2020 called Scheming to Suffer. 
<clears throat> and it's also up on Spotify. And for all this stuff, you can go to 185milesouth.com, click that playlist link at the top of the page, and check out the music we talk about. This is super cool. Two songs. Chris, you said that uh, these guys played that, uh, Jesus Christ, the uh, festival in just Tacoma. Another yeah, just another gig. Yeah, yeah they played three. just another gig and killed it. So uh, what's up yeah, with this band? Been, yeah, they've been playing a, a lot. Like, they played just another gig, too. I think it was the first time I saw him. And then I saw him probably, I don't know, three times within a month. Like they've been, this is a band. First of all, they're from Tacoma, Washington. Um, you know, all vets of, of other like Northwest bands. Um, this is, I, I think this is a band that is on the verge of just like blowing up in the Northwest. Um, Denial of life. Uh, the seven inch is called scheming to suffer. Um, they, this came out in 2020. So this is a band that I think started like right before COVID lockdown happened. Um, I never saw them. I actually never even heard of them until like, till COVID was winding down and shows were starting to come up again. And uh, we had a couple shows lined up, including like just another gig too, that they were on. And uh, um, actually, no, <laughs> they replaced us on that. I think uh, when we had to drop, uh, and they were going to play our Tacoma show with Thom, um, which they did, and they ripped both times. But yeah, they're just this is it's two songs. It totally rips. It's riffs for days on this. Like it's it's blazing, um, but not blazing fast. Like it's it's um, <laughs> I don't know how to describe this. Uh, I think. I don't know. It like to me it kind of sounds like like maybe like less technical slayer riffs but with uh, like Chris, uh, jump in it's that? like kind of sleazy mid tempo like like how uh Akulu they put out that LP and they have like that song Who's in Control. Like yeah, it's like yeah, that yeah. vibe. It's like that sleazy like mid tempo vibe or like uh if you went back to like the the Chromags LP you know, it's like it's like Secrets of the Truth, something like that. Like both these songs kind of have a little bit of that vibe. Yeah, but then, her. but then but, the imagery is like Forty Five Grave. Mm-hmm. What I've got written down for the sound, like for what it grabbed me, was like the the more slower Bay Area thrash metal stuff mm-hmm. from you know Exodus, etc. Meets mm-hmm. like uh, the sleazier No Warning riffs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I could definitely hear... Oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, I have very similar things, too. I said that the the first song reminds me of Leeway if they didn't have a lead guitarist and if Dinah Cancer from 45 Grave were the singer. Mm-hmm. And then the second... And then the song Labyrinth, it has that mid-tempo chug and then some early Slayer riffage and then like a fast mm-hmm. Slayer-ish part thrown in. But, er, you know, early yeah. Slayer, first first album first ep second album you know pre rain and blood slayer like real dirty sounding mm-hmm. and, and the cover art is very gothy so maybe the 45 grave comparison maybe they would uh um appreciate that comparison they yeah. take it as a compliment i don't know yeah the yeah, goth vibe sure. doesn't come through as much in the music um no, i don't think sure. but it, it kind of like opens it up because you know a band gives you two songs you don't know where they're going and both these mm-hmm. songs are pretty like similar in the same lane. And so maybe that opens up like the idea of the band. And I like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's like all those things that you that you guys mentioned were were things I was actually going to touch on. Like I think like early Slayer, a little bit less technical, a little more sleazy, uh, maybe some leeway. Uh, you know that that Seekers of the Truth tempo, I think, is appropriate too. The vocals, I think. So my one nitpick with this is I I don't love how the vocals are mixed and kind of the effect on it. Um, like her voice is super sick live and and I and it and it's really biting but on this record like the effect on it makes it a little bit less biting and that's kind of my only complaint but I feel like I don't know I I kind of feel like you know when I when I listened to the the Fury demo that came out I was like yo this is really cool I think there's something here you know like you could you could see it you could hear it but it it just kind of needed that extra, you know, step up in production, which the LP totally brought. And and I feel like that certainly could be like the next thing that that this band records could just be like epic. Um, this isn't a bad recording by any any means. Like you can hear everything; it's all there. There's nothing that uh, you know really like strikes me. It's like uh, you know. I I thought this something very similar that Chris said. I thought the vocals were too low in the mix as well, and that if the next recording had had louder vocals, and maybe even if they had some some lead guitar shredding type stuff, they could really. There's no reason they couldn't be as big as you know Mind Force or Akulu or any other of the sort of mid tempo leeway inspired bands that are popping up and getting really big. They also have a uh, cassette demo from 2019. I see now and four mm-hmm. of those songs are on Bandcamp, which I have not listened to. So I'm, I'm going to listen to those when, when we're done with this to see how those compare to the seven inch. Yeah. I think yeah. I haven't, I, that's good to know. That's good to know. Cause yeah, I was like, I just know these two songs and it's not enough to, to gauge a band, but I do think that Chris, like you're onto some this band sounds like they could be something special. I do think that the recording is good, but I do echo with what both of you guys say is the the vocals are like buried, you know? And like she obviously has a dope voice. It sounds dope. Just put it out there, dude. You know, like I, I never know if like bands when they do this, are they going for a vibe or are they getting shy? You know, and don't get shy, just put it out there. You know, it sounds dope. Dan, what do you think about this? Well, I do think that when bands are channeling this thrash-esque core, that they're going for a production that does make the vocals sound like they're in the next room echoey, you know? And I don't get it because how bright the, the rhythm section and then the chugging guitars sound is just so great. And then, yeah, you lose a little on the vocal just being distant, even though the vocals sound like they're great. Um, I love, I loved this, and I really love, like at the beginning of "Scheming to Suffer," it sounds like almost like the Philip Glass Dune soundtrack to start, and then the the you know the rhythm section and the chugging takes over, and it's it's really great. And then Labyrinth. I really enjoyed that song too, but I like scheming to suffer the the better of the two songs, but I'm really excited to hear more from this band because 
they're doing a familiar sound, but in their own way that is not it's not just derivative it's it's interesting it's cool and um i i can only think that they'll have a lot more to come and i'm I'm excited for it i like the labyrinth more just because i think they let it they let the song breathe a little bit more like when they're going to the ride and then also this guitarist obviously has he has chops you know, he or she, I'm not sure, but uh, like it's there, but like on Scheming to Suffer and then most of Labyrinth, these like sleazy riffs, like they're still pretty basic. Like they're not really trying to show off or anything, which is nice because it's like it's someone thinking about the songwriting more so than anything. But then like the dude kind of like lets it rip when it goes fast and he does a little bit of speed picking. It's like, okay, this guy's a serious player. He's just hanging back because he cares more about songwriting than showing off, which I can appreciate. Oh. Also, I like anything that goes fast at the end, you know, and this does it on the Sega song. And so, yeah, it's like killer choice, Chris. Yeah. And, yeah, and think- Labyrinth oh, at the beginning of it sounds like it, it sounds like almost like Madball, like with the negative space, like you were describing, letting like the vibe come through the elements where the music is almost having gaps. Yeah, Chris, you want to wrap on this? Yeah, I think two things. One, um, you know, Ben mentioned adding their four piece. So Ben mentioned added adding another guitar player who can do some some shredding over the top. But I actually kind of I like that that's not there because it, you know, kind of in that chain of strength vein, like it gives a little bit of more room for um, for the vocals. And and I think you know, despite the vocal mixed down like she has a really cool voice it's really like kind of snotty and almost like sassy but not in a like i don't know not in like a spaz rock way just more like a punk way you know like yeah i'm i'm snotty i'm sassy like you know (laughs) got attitude like i'm here to rock your world and like this band is sick live like they're not a band that like uh, you know, they're not a band that like goes off and goes crazy live, but they just really hold it down. And like the singer has like such a sick stage presence where like, she's got a lot of charisma and uh, I don't know. I think this is a band that's like going to do a, a lot of big things. And they're, they've been hitting the road, playing a lot of shows. Like they're doing that thing where they're just playing as many towns as they can, like no matter the size. And, and it's like, I don't know. They're putting in the work. I think they're going to, think i didn't do good things yeah chris there's like a swagger to it right yeah and that's that's why i want i want the vocals to be more out front because there's a swagger that comes across in like the riffing there's a swagger that comes across in the vocal delivery and uh yeah i'm excited for this band this rips um let's move on to the by all means self-titled i think it just came out on digital chris a, another band like everything that's good that i know this new chris told me about so, uh, Chris, can you break down who this band is? Yeah, another Tacoma band, actually. Um, yeah, they're sick. Like, this is a band. They've been around for a minute. Like, uh, I think when when Rainfest went away, like, the Seattle hardcore scene kind of, like, uh, not died, but, like, you know, it, it got a lot less momentum. 
And, you know, there were a few bands that were holding it down and playing a lot. And, you know, this by all means was kind of in that era, like one of those bands that was doing it and they were really young band. And I think this is their third demo that they've done. And each one has just been, you know, progressively better and, and, I don't know. They're just such a sick band. They're great live. They're the coolest kids. They ride so hard for Tacoma. They're also mostly indigenous kids who also like rep super hard for being native and, and repping their tribes. And, and that's super sick too. Yeah. This is by all means with a Z on the end. So, you know, they're ill and dude, I love this thing. You knew I was going to love it. And I do. Um, I guess if I was going to lump it into a bucket, it would be like the beatdown bucket, just because that's where the song, like the song layouts are kind of like that. Like it's like part, 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 you know? And I love that because it keeps me on my toes. It's hitting a bunch of different like types of rhythms. I love this first song, the none forgiven. It's almost like an intro, but it's also like, it's so sick. They had to like make it a song, which I respect, you know, I love the like, fuck you. We're by all means the gangs. And then the singer, he's got a great flow, but it's also like not perfect. Like he's not a hundred percent on time all the time, but I love that because he's like letting like the authenticity of his flow through. Like he's not punching every line. He's not making the engineer like bump him over and make it perfect. He's just getting down. And I love that. Um, The way it comes in, you know, just a ring out with a bouncy ass ride beat. You got me from the start. And then uh, I like later in on the song, on the None Forgiven song, toss in some double kick, because shout out Beg, what's up? Then uh, the second song, the Strike You Down, more bounce. And I love the verse riff. I like that they change it to the palm meeting when the singing comes in. That's actually really creative, right? So it cuts out, is doing a riff one way with like open. And then like they just change, just putting in the palm meeting when the singing comes in. It's a great trick. You get like two uses out of the same riff. It sounds pretty different, super ill, super creative. And then they just seamlessly go out of like the parts, right? Like it goes to like catchy chorus. Then it goes to like a drop and it comes right back into like a verse part. Like they can just move and dance in and out of these like different parts of the song seamlessly, which is so good. It's like, again, I don't know if you want to describe this as beat down, but it's like when we were talking before about like gridiron and pain of truth, that those guys are like playing a genre of hardcore so well that it keeps you on your toes. It's really creative. It's it's just, I don't know. I guess this is very similar to that in a way. Um, yeah. And then violent situation, the last song on here, the opening riff is really close to a song. I wrote the, uh, the, where the glory lies off our truth hurts uh, LP from my band in control. So a uh, shout out real recognizes real. And also on the, uh, the verse is very close to killing time bright side. So, and I, I love when like you listen to a song and be like, I think they're inspired by this because it's sick when like modern hardcore is inspired by classic shit. I just love it. And like, there's, there cannot be too much killing time influence in modern hardcore. So keep it coming. Chris, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think, I think the beatdown down uh, comparison is, is appropriate, uh, but it's not, like there's not like they don't go into like the, the rapping territory, you know, like I feel like it's got more of like, you know, maybe like a, a beat down versus or meets like, I don't know, locking out vibe or something like that. Um, 
certainly I think killing time is an influence. I think that's a good call there. Um, they, so when they played at Jag V3, I think they've played all three of them actually. Um, they opened with a War Hungry cover and closed with a Bulldoze cover. So like, I think that can kind of give you a, you know, kind of a feel for the the vibe that they're trying to span there. Um, their set was sick when they opened with that War Hungry cover. It was such a like, I don't know, it just set like a real cocky tone. You know, like we, we talked about that swagger with Denial of Life and, and that was kind of the vibe they came out with. And then, you know, they slayed through all their songs and then they closed with Beat Down by Bulldoze, which got things going real, real wild. But basically, like everyone from Detroit, New York or Baltimore that was there was like instantly got the hardcore Holy Ghost and was tractor beamed to the pit. Um, <laughs> so it was pretty, pretty sick. But basically, everyone with the chain on was destroying each other um (laughs) yeah so uh i think on on these three songs the opening track is certainly my favorite um all the things zach said about it about how it's just kind of a hard intro that they're like you know the song is too good to just be an intro we gotta make it a song um vocal phrasing is awesome there's killer guest vocals from episode 134 which is the 2014 super seven where we had crystal from initiate um so she does guest vocals on it um song three violent situation rules two and has cool guest vocals from the homie nate who sings in end of days with a z uh they're kind of like brother bands they both have uh z's in the name which is sick and matt from change is also in that band end of days uh song two i think is okay but for me like clearly like this this demo is all about track one and track three I love it. You like the buns and not the meat as much. Respect. Yeah. Um, Dan, what's your take on this? And let me just let me say real quick, it's it's strange calling this like beatdown because they don't go into like the super gnarly moshes. In fact, in the first song, the Nun Forgiven, like at the end of the song, like what they build to is actually like not a huge mosh at all. It's actually kind of like a a friendly sounding like up tempo riff. And that, that's what I'm saying is like, it's more the songwriting and that they keep you on their toes and then they go to different parts and you don't know what's coming as much as like that they're leaning into Big Mosh. But uh, Dan, what's your take on this? I really love it. Like, love it, love it. Um, So the third song is straight up like Killing Time era New York hardcore. Um, super, super awesome vocal delivery that gives you that straight vibe completely um the first song see here's the thing like it's ex- just going off of what you were saying zach this is how i would frame it it's beat down attitude over uh killing time influence to an extent you know with all the stuff in between <laughs> that's like that's coming hardcore you know so there's little pockets that they are tapping onto but it is like full like beat down vibes without the music going full neanderthal do you know what i mean like like you say it it does build to like an up up tempo almost two-step mosh instead of like a you know um on the first song but the first song jesus christ how much charisma is on there with the fuck you where 
And then the gang vocals, like you said, like that part, I, the minute I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in for good. Um, you know, and then like the part, you made your bed, now you sleep. <laughs> like, it's just so good. Um, yeah. I, I really dig it. I like the just the physical presentation of what it is. It gives you the same kind of thing, like beat down vibes, but you, it's not fully in that camp. So if you like just good old school, like New York hardcore, there's definitely a lot here for you as well. Um, I can't wait to see and hear more from this band. Um, the charisma of the vocal delivery across all three songs is really great. Um, I I would say the second song has a proper beat down part on it. It like gets, you know, a little bit slow and guttural and and you know, knuckle draggy a bit. But um, I really love it. I you know I can't wait to see what they put out next. I would love to see this band, and um, I love that Chris gave us a bit more of the backstory to make me like them even more. Hell yeah. Ben, did this band change your life? Oh, you know it. <clears throat> um, you know, when they spell means with a Z and they have bubbly graffiti on the cover, you know what you're in for. You know what you're going to get. <laughs> you're going to get an angry man yelling expletives over a soundtrack of Mosh. Um, I totally heard Crystal's voice and I, I picked up on it and I I uh, thought that was kind of a curveball. I did not know it was Crystal until now, but that's cool. Uh, strike you down. It's funny. Like I, that, that is what I would consider a uh, true beat down because it starts out slow, right? Like it goes, it's like the song starts as a mosh part and then it's like, well, what do we do? We play a slower mosh part. It's like, let's do the breakdown of the song. That's already a breakdown. And then they, there's like four distinct, at least four slow beats. Um, so it's like alternating between these like all slow beats and then violent situation. I, I just like the rest of you completely picked up on the killing time influence and maybe even some sheer terror thrown in it at the end, or maybe it's just killing time from front to back. Um, but that's what I got. I, 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 I was going to say something snarky cause you know, I can't stand this style of music, but when Chris said that they're like really nice and they're kids, it's like, Oh no, <laughs> fuck that. Do what you want. Keep keep uh, fighting the good fight. Uh, by all means. Hell yeah! By all means, keep it real. And anyone that has a Z in their name like that, you change it and toss a Z. Hit me up. Get at me. One hundred eighty-five miles south at gmail dot com. We support that shit. All right, Dan. Let's go to yours. And you pronounce this uh, so I don't make a fool of myself. Uh, Reeks spelled. R-I-X-E, French Oi Band. I believe it is uh, the French word. It's something to do with like stench or something like that, I believe. Um, But Reeks are a French Oi Band. I feel like they channel, you know, they do classic Oi, but they kind of channel UK 82 and 77 Punk to kind of round out the sound. Um, which I know all of that is very side by side in regard to what makes Oi Oi anyway. Um, but 
you know, if we if we're talking about music and we're trying to translate it over to people just listening without hearing it, you know, we got a got a kind of color color inside the lines a little bit. Um, I'm bringing Shine to the debut EP Coup a Blessures from uh, February 2015. I really could have easily chosen any of the three EPs because they're all they're all fucking classics. They're so good. And uh, for everyone that wants to check them out, there is a, a compilation of all three EPs uh, onto one LP put out by La Vida and Muse. Can that label do any wrong? Um, I feel like this record has like a classic 80s oi sound, uh, but just a not full-on like UK um, street street anthems more like um more like somewhat like the partisans or something so it it, it is like one you know like three toes in uk82 and then seven toes in just full-on oi um you know the first track on it is um very anthemic but not necessarily in the way that you would say anthemic as in like a total sing-along thing, more like in like an actual anthem. Like this sounds like it could be like a Eastern European anthem at parts uh, with the way it's going. Um, that song's called Razia. And then uh, th- this is all in French, by the way. So, uh, excusez-moi pour ma prononciation. Uh, Infatigables. <laughs> Um, is the next song and that is just such a a rad like punctuated super it, it's a quick oi song with like very punctuated like uh chorus vocals super good um Lams de Cro- crocodile is basically pronounced uh translates as the arms of the crocodile i think that might be the hit out of all of these hits um, the way the bass, the bass sound in particular on this record is just so good, and the way the bass and drums uh, start out the song, it just it just hooks you in immediately. Um, such an amazing song, and then the title track, Kue Bledgers, uh is, I mean, I could, I could break all of these down like what they all sound like. I just really encourage the listeners to jump on that one eight five miles. Uh, playlist that's going to a- accompany this check out the two records that just came before and then dive yourself into this if you've never heard it if you have heard it you're like oh fuck yeah someone's talking about this band they're not a band anymore but i really wish they were <laughs> i really dig this stuff um and it's i love the fact that it's coming out of france that just gives it its own unique sound within the genre of like oi punk which is something that i absolutely love and i love that they have their own little bit different sound while attacking something that i absolutely adore what do you think yeah it's it's great like the fuzzy guitar tone mid-tempo uh reminds me a bit of a band that we talked about a lot last year bootlicker uh, when bootlicker went more in the mid tempo than like the UK 82 stuff. Um, it's cool. It's, I would lean, I would say it's more 
street punky than oi ish, just because it doesn't get super anthemic, which is a good thing. Uh, sometimes because if you try to go too singy, it can fail often. And all these songs just rage like they're all a variation of mid tempo. The uh, the last two songs go a little bit more like a faster pace, like the Larms de Crocodile. It's like a little more up tempo. The verse riff is like on that song. It's like a perfect punk riff. Yeah, it's like and it's so sick when you hear like a perfect punk riff like in the last five years. Like how the fuck is there still something to do? You know, like we're working from like such a small palette, and then like when you just hear something, it's like, oh my god, that feels so perfect. You know, I just feel it in my soul. And then uh, the last song of the record, again, like the verse is so ill. The chorus is almost like straight lifted from Negative Approach, the song Dead Stop. But <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, shout out Negative Approach, dude. You can't go wrong. That's a that's a good one. And we got a shout out to La Vida Es Un Moose. They're like the true aggregator of like hardcore on earth. You know, like they're they're plucking out everything. So it's like, you know, look, dude, how what percentage of street punk bands do you think you want to listen to? You know what I mean? Like, they're all on that label. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like they're gonna pick it out, right? It's like if La Vida Sun Moose puts out like a street punk band or an oi band, like you know it's of note, you know, so a fucking killer label. Can't say enough good stuff about them. And uh yeah, Ben, what was your take on this? Yeah, actually, while Dan was talking, I went to Google Translate just to figure out what the band name and the song titles mean. So here are the translations. The band name Reeks means Brawl. So how oi is that? The name of your band is Brawl. And then the song titles, uh, I'm just going to read the translations. Raid, Tireless, Crocodile Tears, which is you know an insincere display of emotion. And then the, the title track is Blow and Wounds. So that's pretty tough. Um, <laughs> I I got the same vibe uh, that a lot of that uh, Zach did about how it's like this like good anthemic punk and um, it kind of leans street punk and the and the thing that makes me th- feel that it's not true one hundred percent in the lane oi is because they don't play that obnoxious closed hi hat sixteenth note thing on the drums like the drums are like more like classic punk sounding than like a lot of that early eighties oi stuff, which I appreciate because I definitely am team. No obnoxious closed hi hat 16th note. Um, um, so it's like this old school UK influence punk that you can sing along with if you didn't flunk high school French, but I took high school Spanish, which I barely passed. Um, and it's funny hearing dudes singing in French sounding tough. It's like, you're tough, but you're singing in French. I'm confused. Um, they totally nail the production. Like, I would absolutely believe this record was recorded in 1981 if someone told me that. Which, coming from me, is the ultimate compliment. Because 1981 rules. Best year in hardcore. Um, track four, to me, is the standout song. Uh, and that would be the title track. And don't make me try to pronounce it. You know, it's ironic is I learned Spanish in a place called Hong Kong. Uh, Chris, what's your take on this? Uh, first off, I'm super impressed with Ben's ability to do Google Translate searches and still listen to Dan and and riff off of what he said. Like if that was me trying to do searches while someone else was talking, 
I would not hear a word of what they're saying. So shout out to multitask. Uh, <laughs> second off, when Dan tried to pronounce the names of the songs, it instantly just threw me back to that story about the French war zone women. I'm just imagining myself in their shoes now or their, their Adidas or their docs. And <laughs> it just makes that memory of that story of, of Dan speaking French. It, it just puts me there on that riverboat in Paris. So, <laughs> um, so but are yeah, you slamming like a, with the war zone women or not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably just like laughing and being like, what is this guy doing? What is he saying? <laughs> I, I mean, want to be uh, man, he's, he, he's cute and charming. I mean, <laughs> but does this um, record make you want to slam? Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, you know what? Weirdly, this is a band that I don't think I've ever actually heard in my life, but I've heard their name a million times, like thrown around a lot by people that you know I know like like real like oi and street punk stuff and this is a band that i never doubted would be good if i actually checked it out and just have never got around to it weirdly you know um so (laughs) i'd listen to it for this and and yeah it's really good um you know just just as i knew that it would be it's it's really good um i think the thing that i wasn't expecting uh when dan said three toes in, in the UK 82 and the other seven in, in more traditional way. I think that's a good call. And um, it, it was something that, that I wasn't really expecting. I wasn't expecting it to be this dirty. Um, like the production is really kind of, uh, I don't know, grimy and gruff, uh, especially compared to most, you know, modern or even like traditional way where there's like a lot of, I don't know, a lot of high end and melody. Um, it, it reminds me actually a little bit of a less melodic criminal damage at times, um, particularly the last song. Um, but yeah, it's really good. I like it. Hell yeah. Dan, closing thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I, I want to just address, you know, like you and Ben thought it doesn't quite fall into the full on oil lane. But what I think, why I think it doesn't is because it's not trying to ape necessarily English oi. It's more like going on after, you know, so many uh, mainland Europe hardcore and punk bands have been have been so dirty like this, you know, that it's taking lineage from there too while still trying to give that, like, tuneful oi stuff, but it's still so, like, you know, barbaric, like, punk coming out of that as well. So I think it is awesome that we hear it slightly different all of us but that we do acknowledge all the elements that are in the like recipe of what it is we just think you know you think there's three tablespoons of this and i only think there's like one and a half you know something like that it but it's a hell of a listen and and everyone uh should check them out because i think i think you'll really like it Oh yeah. All right. Chemical X, they just put out a new EP came out in mid February of 2022 called highly volatile. It is on streaming. Hopefully there's a physical release later in the year, but uh, who knows with the current pressing situation, Uh, Ben, this is your pick. Hip us to chemical X. What's up? Yeah. I picked them as uh, having put out one of the best releases of 2021. 
that was a digital only four song release. So here's five more songs by Chemical X. Um, they totally have like the first four songs have this driving mid tempo style of like Dez or early Rollins era Black Flag. You know, it's got a real like dang, da, 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 kind of thing. Like Roach has a descending chord progression that is very similar to the song Rise Above. And then another band with a, a song called Raid. This is R A I D. Could I tell you what that stands for? No, but I know that the chorus is breaking shit is fun. I don't care about nothing but myself. I'm not sure how I feel about a double that using the double negative, but it has a ripping period correct solo to make up for this grammatical faux pas. And then the very last song isolated is faster and it has a breakdown. So I guess this is where they graduate from a 1.5 university and go to a hardcore uh, grad school. So we're going to miss you. <laughs> we're going to miss you fellas. It's a very 1982 sounding hardcore song. Um, you know, how how can you go wrong with this kind of stuff? And there's a lot of I follow them on Instagram and they they play a lot of shows. They're from Lodi, New Jersey, home of the Misfits. They play a lot of shows. They film their shows. They put a, put them on Instagram. They shoot music videos sometimes. And what I think is cool is like Target Video would shoot not really music videos in the early 80s of bands like Black Flag, but like those bands playing live on a soundstage. And there's, there's some of that going on too with their videos. Like it's, they're not, they're not, you know, pretending to play along to the, to the uh, recording. They are, they are actually playing, but it's, it's done for the purpose of making music video. And I think that's a really cool thing that more bands should do. Like that's a good formula. Yeah. I was trying to launch that at the beginning of COVID. That's right. 185 live, but, uh, Never took off, but we recorded one band. It was fucking sick. Um, but yeah, dude, this rips, this band rips chemical X rules the song Roach. Um, I just gotta say it's pretty sick. The Ben likes a song that says I'll beat you to a pulp. So that's ill. And then uh, Ray, the second song raid is sick that you have a song called Roach. And then the next song is the solution to the first song. So that's <laughs> cool too. And then the first riff again, like, it's just a classic sounding punk riff. It's like, where are people coming up with these, dude? It's so ill. Like, I get stoked anytime I, I hear like a good punk riff like that. The vocal delivery is absolutely great. And there's a killer little solo in that song, Raid. Um, the chorus lyrics, I do have to say, if I'm nitpicking, they're a little juvenile. And I mean, that's what we want of young bands a bit, I guess. Like, Sing was true to you, right? Like I remember when the snobs came out, like they were super young and they sang about dumb shit and people loved them for it. Cause it's like, don't bite off more than you can chew. Like that's cool. But so in one aspect, I'm like, I don't really like the chorus lyrics. They're a little silly for me. I can't really relate to it anymore as like a, like a pretend adult human being, but <laughs> it does like, lay some ground for the band to grow. So I'm like excited because like if they can keep harnessing this music and then come up with some shit that they care about and write about it, they could be a truly special band. And I do think that the song song number five isolated, like, okay. So like, okay. Again, if we're talking about what I love about this band, it's when they're playing like that 1.5 shit that Ben loves. Right. I think that's where this band excels and they're one of the best bands that has done this in in recent memory. 
So this recording scares me a bit in two ways. The song number five isolated, I think it's a super, it's a rager. And if they toss in stuff like this, I'm totally stoked. It's a good hardcore song and it kind of like rounds out the sound. It gives them a little more like space to be, you know, like it's cool. I like it. The song time gets a little weird. Like they're going weirdo black flag already. And it's like, uh, like, I don't know if I want, I just want that straight 1.5, dude. Just hit me with it, you know? And so like, I I think I'm being greedy here. Like a band's got to grow and do whatever they want to do. But like, I hope it stays in the pocket because I think this band has like real potential to be like a great, great band. And if they get a little too funky, like that song time, or if they go straight hardcore on the majority of their songs, they're going to get kind of like lost in a sea. And I think of that, that straight lane of the 1.5 is like the winner. So uh, that's what I think. Dan, what's your take on this? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sat here at hardcore grad school and the singer of this band is my new roommate. And I'm really nervous because he thinks breaking shit is so fun. And, you know, I finally got this place dialed in. I would say I really like this a lot. Um, the song Raid, the chorus, the breaking shit is fun part, it totally has like a California, um, not quite epifat, but California punk, like the upswing on the breaking shit is fun. Like the upswing on the vocals, it's very uh, almost Descendants if anything, you know, um, but it's super good. That song time. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit, but, um, uh, I, I, I can hear why you're, you know, a little bit trepidatious about it. Like, Oh, this could push him over the edge because it is true. The song raid is the best song in my opinion. And that lane that they're in on that is probably, uh, like you say, the sweet spot. It's really interesting uh, recording too because everything's everything is so audible and so uh, great, and the vocals sit on or within the music and on top of the music so well. Um, it's a great band. Like you know, we talked about them a lot in in the past in regards to you know Ben choosing them prior to this, and it's uh, great to see that their next effort up was equal to the groundwork they laid before. Yeah. Like they're unfolding as a band, like in an admirable way. And like, but I just want it in that pocket, dude, you know? And also like that uncool song is so ill. It, it, it was a song I was listening to. And I'm like, God damn, this sounds like something I know. sounds like something I know. And I couldn't ever put my finger on it. And that's like the best shit right is like the stuff that like reminds you of something but you can't figure out what it is so it might just be that it's like some weird shit you've been channeling the whole time like oh it's just the song i needed and uh i think that's sick chris what's your take on this well first um you guys all had jokes about raid about the song the title raid but i was thinking uh hands off the animals yeah remember that old school shout out to the vegans Um, what's up yeah did we ever figure out – I believe when we talked about this this band the first time, we couldn't remember exactly who it was that hipped us to it. And I think we thought it was either Anthony or, or Clevo. Did we ever figure that out or 
I think this was a straight badge find, wasn't it? I don't know. I have no recollection of how I discovered this band, and now I'm dying to know. Maybe it was Clevo. I don't know. We'll get to the back. bottom of this. We go back but, to the um, archives. <laughs> the um, I thought when I, I thought when Ben first talked about it, he said like that someone hipped us to it in the chat, which feels right to me. But there's now a really just, like, funny such a part of our everyday lives. <laughs> um. Go ahead. One of the guys in the band has uh, messaged me, you know, on on Instagram because he heard that we um, talked about them whenever that whatever month that was. I guess that was the end of 2021. And he's like, "Oh, thanks a lot." And then and then he said that um, I had to explain to him what 1.5 means. And he's all like, oh, yeah, we're big um, fans of the Circle Jerks and Descendants. Our drummer, Scott, loves both those bands, and he does them justice when we cover them. So they cover Circle Jerks and Descendants. So, yeah, it's like a, an East Coast band that's very California-influenced. So it happens both ways. There's bands from out here that want to be fucking raw deal, and there's bands from New Jersey that want to be the Descendants. Yeah, Shout sure. out. Chris, yeah, this, final this rips. This rips. Uh, I just want to say before we move on, this is really good. My favorite track is track two, Raid. Um, I just I, I agree about the vocals being a little bit juvenile, but like it's so catchy and it's so good that it, it works for me. Um, and then the solo coming out of it is ripping. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a really cool record. Um, it's cool to see them, uh, you know, continue to put out great stuff. And yeah. And so are these records. Collector's Bargain Corner. All right, Collector's Bargain Corner. And this week we are going to Dan for his selection. Yeah, I'm going to bring you a 7-inch from 2002. I feel like we've discussed this on the pod in the past that early 90s, mid-90s, that stuff's all on Spotify. All the 80s stuff's on Spotify. All of the, you know, 2010s and on is on Spotify, but that that 1998 through 2008, there's almost like uh, it's missing in rotation. And this is on Spotify, don't get me wrong, but this 7-inch is excellent value, giving you piece by piece, written in blood. There are many different versions that are all reasonably priced on uh, Discogs, and man, this is coming off of like AN, Carry On, etc. Obviously, there's members of Carry On in this band, but this is whereas some of the other hardcore for the day was, you know, giving you that like sad eyed suicidal thing. This is more like murder suicide. This is like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going out, but you're coming with me. Like, the lyrically this is a very very angry uh very pissed off record musically it'll make you want to mosh through a wall um layout is done by scott mcgrath shout out everything he does is great uh he put this record out and uh interestingly the label used to be takeover and then became old guard because yellow card that pop punk band had a label called takeover and they made him change it um, through legal legal threats. Um, and I really recommend everyone pick this up. This was 
uh, a band from Southern California in 2002 to 2004 that just put on some of the best live shows, even though they hurt my feelings, (laughs) as uh, episode five will tell you. Um, Shout out, Corey. I love you. Um, Check this record out. It's amazing. And Zach will tell you how cheap you can get it for. Yeah, if you want to dive into this stuff, go back, hit them archives, listen to the Nick Jet interview. We go through all this stuff because this band went on. We're talking about like the impetus of it, but did like interesting records like for a while. It's kind of Nick Jet's brainchild, Nick and Corey in the beginning, and then I think just going on to Nick. But uh, yeah, this record is a certified ripper. And it's funny that Dan talks about uh, it being more murder than suicide because the seller you can get it from the cheapest is someone by the name of Moon Canoe, which, uh, you know, it's very murder vibes. Like you're, you're canoeing out there, you're looking at that full moon, and then Jason just comes up and hacks your head off. So uh, <laughs> get it from Moon Canoe, $3.99 on Discogs. Also, there's some other people got it around the $4 range, $5 range. And uh, yeah, there's a handful. This is a great collector's bargain corner because there's multiple of these in the $5 under range. And it's a killer piece of wax, dude. Put this on. You know, it's like, what is it? Six songs. They all bang all the way through. There's some tentpole moments. And uh, yeah, can't recommend this enough. Takeover Records, T-O-R-01. What's up? Handle business, people. The fight lasts for hours. Each ram battering the other dozens of times. Head to head. All right, we are going head to head. Two of the best Oi albums of all time. Number one, Cox Bar Shock Troops LP came out in 1983. And... It's going up against Blitz, Voice of a Generation, came out in 1982. Dan, head-to-head, who are you taking? You know what? Just kill me. I, can I live without either of these in, you know, in this universe that we're creating where these are going head-to-head? No, just throw me off a <laughs> – weigh me down with a 1,000 Last Resort LPs and throw me off a roof. Um <laughs> Because we'll push you off the side. We'll push you off the side of that riverboat in Paris. <laughs> yes. Well, if I if I die with the war zone women, I die happy. Um Voice of a Generation compared to Shock Troops has more of a roller coaster journey through the album. I feel like there are some exceedingly unbelievable high highs. And then there are some what would be great songs to many other bands are just average to Blitz. Do you know what I mean? Um, going through, um, I'll wait for you lot to break down song by song, but but there are some things that are very easy. I, I mean, I absolutely love the Lou Reed cover, Vicious. Like, it's so fucking good. Um, but then, you know, voice of a generation, the song is unbelievable. Criminal damage warriors nation on fire. Like you're just listing off classics and the way 
um, blitz are a little bit dirtier, a bit more street than even all the other classic UK oi bands, that they're more um, darker. Like the approach is a little bit darker in in the way... I mean, a lot of them, a lot of the songs are singing very similar topics that are going on with Cockney Rejects or Last Resort, but they're just coming out a little bit fuzzier, a little bit darker, a little bit, you know, more northern, which is a a good thing. Um, And it's just undeniable melody and grit. But if you want to talk melody, Shock Troops is probably the most melodious punk music there is without it going over the top. Who ever thought that you would be absolutely loving vibrato vocals on punk songs? Like, you tell me that I'm going to listen to a punk band and the singer's going to be doing, like, vibrato-style stuff, and I would instantly tell you I don't want to listen to that. But Coxborough, oh my God, they not only make you listen to it and adore it you're like pining for more you know like run you know the way they just sing like coming back to you <laughs> like just I absolutely love it um the way i used to enjoy this album was i would go all the way to i got your number because this is the strongest out of any any punk lp ever this is the strongest one two three four five six song seven seven songs in a row out the gate of any punk album ever this is the strongest and then you know you got secret army that's pretty good droogs don't run is the one that i could lose and then out on an island i just i think I just salute off into the sunset and just think about my granddad in World War II when I hear that song. It just it just gets me unbelievably in the feels and I just think of like Sergeant Major Rimmer representing, you know, the ro- <laughs> the Royal uh I can't remember what regiment he was in, so that's a shit grandson I am. But yeah, I I think those are my breakdowns. I can't wait to hear who is going to convince me of which side I should take when when you uh, break down the songs because at this point, I'm undecided. Oh, interesting. Yeah, obviously, Blitz is a little dirtier, a little more street-sounding, um, although I'd never accuse Coxbar of not being street because I'd scared within 15 minutes someone would kick in my door. But... uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're riding for the first seven because I think "Watch Your Back" is a is a pretty heavy fall off, um, especially his first song on side B. You know, if they put "I Got Your Number," they switch those two, and "I Got Your Number" was the first song on side B. It would be like, God damn, they wrote like six perfect songs in a row. You know, um, I think "Watch Your Back" is pretty heavy fall off. But Ben, let's fucking duel, dude. Let's do this. We're just okay. do Blitz first. And then Cox Bar. How do you? What do you think of that? I'm down, dude. I'm down. I thought this was gonna be closer than I thought. Um, the Blitz LP on repeat listens. I think it gets a little long. 
you know that's one thing but song by song going in on all the songs we'll see all right blitz voice of the generation we are the boys do it ben this is the platonic ideal of the platonic ideal of what an oi song should be this song is ph balanced this is a good standard by which to judge all other oi songs is it w-a-t-b plus two w-a-t-b minus three etc <laughs> that's pretty brilliant because I, I kind of agree i think uh yeah this is a great down the middle oi song um there is 20 seconds wasted on the front end which is a pretty heavy knock um but yeah give it an eight uh time bomb pretty forgettable but forgettable for blitz is like god tier for their peers if barney and the rubbles wrote this this would be their best song kidding i don't remember what that band sounds like but i'm probably right (laughs) yeah again 13 seconds wasted on the front end but uh good song i give it an eight (laughs) voice of a generation i can't think about this album without singing the chorus of this song out loud some great lead guitar melody in this if you are able to come up with a song this good that would be a profound achievement in punk rock yeah, dude, this song is perfect. So it is W-A-T-B plus two, a.k.a. a 10, motherfucker. What's up? Bleed. This whole song sounds like an intro, which works in the context of a 17-song album. It's over before you can get bored of it. Ooh, Ben likes it. Uh, Haunting-sounding song, cool for a band that's not Blitz. Uh, they should have sold this song to Christian Death. I don't need you. This, oh, I give it a five. Ben, I give it a five. Oh, you give it a five. That's right. You you have you do the numbers. I don't do the numbers. Um, yeah, because I can't decide on these albums which I like more. And so what I'm doing is I'm grading them, and then I'm giving an average. So I'm going right. one to ten, and then I'm averaging them out. You're being more scientific than I am. Math. Um, I don't. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I might. Do, I might do that when it gets if if it ends up getting really close with with some other head to heads. I don't need you. This is my go-to song for this record. And I don't hear anyone really talk about it. There is a 75% chance Naked Raygun borrowed the intro for Rat Patrol from this. Take that, Coxbarer. <laughs> yeah, it's a killer rager, dude. And it's way better than Daniel's favorite song by a different band, I Don't Like You. Uh, this is a we, W-A-T-B, uh, what is it? Net Zero? I give this an eight T period. O period question mark. This sounds surfy or like the Peter gun theme song, but I think these guys just heard the buzzcock song, nothing left and said, let's do that. That's the song on love bites that contains the lyric. I'm on my own now. Good work. Good song to bite. And Holy shit. Did they bite it? Listen to these songs back to back. Like I just did. Yeah, this is a weirdo surf song. They should have sold it to Ancient Orange. I give it a five. Propaganda. Fuck yeah. This shit reminds me of Top of the Pops by the Rizillos or something Stiff Little Fingers could have done. It's almost at 1977 to 1979 levels of UK punk greatness. That's something to strive for. Yeah, this is WATB plus two. Another 10. Perfect song. Criminal Damage. I don't blame the band Criminal Damage for naming themselves after this song because it's a great band name. 
It's just not one of the better songs on the album, but it's better than naming your band We Are the Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dude, or T-O? you're tripping. <laughs> yeah, you What's are tripping, called? dude. We're this in the T.O. Uh... zone or the T.O. zone. <laughs> <laughs> this is W.A.T.B. plus two. This is another 10, dude. You're tripping. Vicious. This is an A plus Lou Reed song from his best album, Transformer, 1972, RCA Records. This cover doesn't really do it justice, and the drummer is hitting the snare on every beat, which is annoying. This is okay rock and roll. Sounds like some shitty dude wrote it who would do a collab with like Metallica in the 2010s or some shit. Uh, they should have sat on this song for a year and sold it to SSD in late 83. I give it a five. Warriors. Fuck yes. Now they're covering Judge. This is <laughs> This more than makes up for the below average Lou Reed cover. Send our regards to a nation on fire and with love, a bouquet of barbed wire. So ill. This is what Mel Gibson listens to after he paints his face blue and gets mad at Forrest. <laughs> Another perfect 10. WATB plus two. Nation on fire. Reggae intro. Fast forward. Okay, punk song. Funny how the previous song references Nation on fire. It's like they're psychic, man. Dude, this song gives you a minute to smoke weed before you kick into a perfect song. I wanted to give this one an 11, but I hate when people say like a thousand percent. And I also hate when people use uh, <laughs> uh, whatever the fuck. I give this a 10. <laughs> your, your revolution. Another song that sounds like one long intro. Lots of toms. They could almost be dressed like Adam and the Ant. Adam and the Ants with all these toms being played. Swashbuckling skins. The guitar on this is a hint at the post-punk things to come for Blitz. <laughs> Swashbuckling skins. <laughs> yeah, this song sucks. It's not worth selling. I give it a two. Scream. Oh. Scream. Echo, echo, echo. Drum break. Guitar melody. Who am I kidding? This is pretty forgettable. Again, a forgettable Blitz song is still in the top one percentile for Oi music. This song is probably an eight, but it sounds like a nine coming off your revolution. I give it a nine or a WATB plus one. For Q. Get it? Because it sounds like you're saying fuck you. The lead guitar thingy rules. Flanger, baby. This song is great. W-A-T-B plus three. <laughs> you give it an 11? Respect. All right. Yeah, this is perfect. Uh, it's a 10. So a W-A-T-B plus two. Uh, escape. I got nothing. It's a song. It's a cool song. But this is like when you're starting to feel like the album's getting a little long, I think. Because like it's a good song. I gave it a seven. But I don't know, like, if this was on a four-song seven-inch, maybe it's an eight. It's it's a good song, you know? But then the next song, Moscow, is killer. It's a better song, and I give it a nine. Moscow sort of reminds me of Career Opportunities by The Clash, and they pronounce Moscow correctly. Cheers. Well, uh, uncheers to me. Saying it wrong. Um, closed, closed down. Good bass tone. This isn't the best sounding album, but it's no fault of that bass. 
This is sort of rutsy on the verses. Rutsy on the verses. The choruses are pure blitz. I couldn't make out what the bus driver said over the intercom in that one section. Kind of weird way to end the album. Maybe because they are closing the album down. Fuck if I know. This is the best of the not amazing songs on the album. I give it a seven. All right, Dan, you can jump in and, and eviscerate all our takes on this before we go to Cox Bar. <laughs> no, I I mean, yes, I will. What I will say about Voice of a Generation is absolutely, you are 100% right that it is too long. Um, but I don't want to get rid of any of these songs. I just want them to be on something else, you know, in between before they go full post-punk um and you know tight black shirts and stuff i really um can you imagine if this lp you know put maybe some of these songs that you think are the sevens or the you know 7.5s if it puts some of those songs off and raises in the night and so <laughs> someone's gonna die was on here as well can you imagine Forget it. It'd be the best shit ever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, they have the catalog to put out the best LP of all time, but like, yeah, this isn't it. You know, this is awesome. It it gets a 7.82, which I think that if I was thinking about it, it's like low because the highs are so high. Like the 10 is kind of limiting. Like I would never pitch this to someone as being like under a nine out of 10 LP. Well, I think, I think there were a couple of songs that you rated as eight that were ten that are tens, you know. But the, I understand the, you go well, song by song, you know. The first two tracks, I gave them eights. You think we are the boys or time bomber higher than eights? Well, I know that you're taking points off because there is some just diddling around before we are the boys kicks in. But if it came straight in without the diddling, that's a ten. You know, I just think that like, what if they started this LP out with Voice of the Generation? For real, like, you're right. How much better is it? You drop the needle and you get that. Instead, you drop the needle, you get 20 seconds of bullshit, and then you get an eight out of ten. Like you get the WATB. Is it <laughs> better than that or less than that? You know, like that's brilliant that Ben says. Like this is a straight up down the middle good eight out of ten oi track. You know, that's what it is. But it's like here's a band that they have. Okay, how many bands write ten? fucking perfect songs yeah blitz has them you know what i mean and here's your lp this is like your legacy and you don't start the lp with a 10 get the fuck out of here what if this what if this album start with propaganda dude that's what i'm saying that's another 10 yeah you know it starts with i mean propaganda would have been jesus christ you know i might have keeled over yeah i had a heart attack at 17 because like i put on a perfect record you know (laughs) yeah um like I think you've got some fair criticism of of the down things, but that's what I was talking about when I initially like was talking about the highs on this record are so high, so then the average points seem like lulls, but they're only lulls because of what they're sidling up next to. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that Ben put that out there. And we got to say to the people out there, like these albums, you know, we think of these as near perfect albums. So when we're breaking them down, it gets a little rough sometimes, but that's only because we've listened to them so many times and we love them so much that, you know, it's like we see all the flaws, right? Um, okay, Ben, let's jump into Cox Bar Shock Troops. Where are they now? What's up? Well, my, 
my last thought of on the on uh, Blitz was um, that I guess I viewed this record through rose colored glasses going into this because I don't remember there being so many damn songs on it, and the production sounds really brittle, but the abundance of A plus songs make up for those demerits. So we're kind of on the same page on on the on those points. I think. Okay, shock uh, shock troops. Where are they now? Musically, this song is unfuckwithable. It's the catchiest shit ever. But who are these people he's singing about? I looked it up. Julie Burchill and Tony Parsons wrote for New Musical Express, Enemy. Julie is quoted as saying, Punk was over in two years. That's the only damn good thing about it. So, you know, she deserves the uh, where are they now treatment. The other two are Joe Strummer of The Clash and Jimmy Percy of Sham 69. Someone wrote, think about it. These guys wrote a song where they name music journalists. That's like someone writing a song that, about me being like, I believed in Ben when he told me about 1.5. It's like, fuck yeah, write a song like that. Um, <laughs> this, this song has enough specific references in it to be, to be hip hop. Dude, this song is so perfect. It's like the first like hardcore punk rock diss track, probably, right? Dan, can you jump in? Is there anything before this? It's like a, a diss track on You're Gone and I'm Here. EMI Sex Pistols is probably the first proper punk diss track because they're dissing EMI for signing them and then ditching them immediately. Yeah, but that's not the same as like you were here and now you're gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking like the, yeah the the old the young the young book killing the old man yeah chain of strength fucking crucifying nice guy kevin <laughs> seconds you know r.i.p <laughs> yeah um all right this is a perfect song give it a 10 or a WTB plus two uh riot squad this is clash level catchiness and it even has that siren sounding guitar um, how are they able to pull off some 1977 level punk greatness? Because they were putting out records themselves in 1977. They're one of those OG bands and they're coming back for their crown six years later and grabbing it because there is almost zero competition in the standard melodic punk lane that they occupy. The song's perfect. I give it a 10. Uh, working. This sounds like it could be a traditional song that people would sing when getting off of work in Great Britain circa 1870, and Cox Bar just added punk drums and distorted guitar to it. Perfect. I give it a 10. <laughs> take them all. Anytime a skinhead is saying, take them all, put them up against a wall and shoot them, it makes me want to get as far away from that person as possible. Okay, they're singing about record execs who screwed them. That's reasonable no it's psychotic and the music sounds like a nursery rhyme this song is gross fuck that this song's a 10 (laughs) fuck yeah it is (laughs) we're coming back it's amazing that they wrote this song because it sounds like it has always existed oh because it fucking has rogers and hammerstein wrote you'll never walk alone for the musical carousel jerry and the pacemakers covered it in in the 60s and a soccer anthem uh it became a soccer anthem in liverpool because of that and then these yobs plopped it into their punk song in the 80s god i hate soccer to be clear the verses are coxbar originals dude it's raining hard as fuck in my pad right now um 
yeah, don't diss football, dude. Viva los Cholos. And this song is another 10. What's up? Watch your back. The centrist message of this song sucks. Right wing, left wing, full of hate. Yeah, it's all the same, man. Both sides try to exploit us. Fuck that. They're playing to a scene that has been infiltrated by neo-Nazis and Margaret Thatcher is prime minister. But hey, we just want to be left alone. In the words of the late great Howard Zinn, you can't be neutral on a moving train. Not a very good song either. Or in the words of Powerhouse, you're gonna have to choose a side. Yeah, this is a 7 out of 10. It's the first uh, misstep on the album, but still a pretty good song. I got your number. The chorus is so catchy, it's painful. This shit will get stuck in your head pretty much until the end of time. Therefore, listening to it feels weird since it's already in your head. We're back to that perfect 10 territory. Perfect 10. Got your number. All right. Secret Army. This song sounds like a nursery rhyme, and those gunshots at the end sound fake as fuck. This song's a 7 out of 10, but I do like the word, like, the ordinary people say. Like, that's a cool way to, to sum up normal folk. Uh, Droogs don't run. Okay, this song is catchy in a bad way. You'll start singing Droogs don't run to yourself, even though it isn't good. <laughs> yeah, this song kind of sucks. I do like the low note lead, but yeah, it's like, it's this song kind of sucks. I give it a 6. Out on an island. This sucks. This song sucks. Go out to your island and don't sing this song. <laughs> I can never decide if this is brilliant or it sucks. Uh, I'll give it a six out of 10 and shout out to uh, Pat Dubar's poetry. So uh, let's see. To figure this out, my blitz average was 7.82 and Cox Bar is 8.6. So I am taking Cox Bar. Ben, what were you going? Well, my final thoughts on Cox Bar were some of these songs rule. Some of them sound like sea shanties and soccer chants. The singer sounds like the undertones guy. The first undertones record fucking smokes this. Teenage kicks poor Vita, bro. Even the first Cox Bar album is marginally better than Shock Troops. Standout tracks. Where are they now? Riot Squad. I got your number. Um, So final. So final analysis, the Blitz album doesn't sound very good and has too many songs, but they are the boys. They are the voice of a generation. They are the warriors for the nation on fire and for Q, if you disagree. Plus, they are from the north. They are from the north like the best dressed man. Technically, East Midlands, close enough. So I got to go with Team Sant. Blitz for the win. All right, we're 1-1. Chris, let's go to you on this, and then we'll sum it all up with Dan. (laughs) I'm uh just speechless after <laughs> after uh Ben's summation there. Um where to begin? So Blitz has been my favorite way band for nearly 30 years. Uh, I love Coxbar, but when I went into these side by sides, you know, thinking about uh, about this, like I went in thinking Blitz is just going to crush Coxbar, you know, not because Coxbar is not amazing, but just because of that personal history, like that personal historical emotional connection. Um, but the Cox bar record is perfect. The blitz record is great. There's some okay songs for me on this, which you guys all touched on. Um, T O is a straight up skipper. 
Um, and then there's some other stuff that I could do without. Uh, I, I do agree that Droog's Don't Run is, is not a great song, uh, but it's not an instant skipper for me like T.O. is. It's, it's, there's something about it that, like, I don't know. I don't like it, but I don't mind it. Like, I'll let it play through, you know? So, you know, when you guys were talking about, you know, what if you took all of the mediocre songs from the Blitz record and you would have, like, one of the greatest punk records you've ever written? Like, after listening to this Cox Bar record back-to-back with a Blitz record, I kind of think, like, you would just basically straight up have the Cox Bar record. Like, what would you have if you took out all those songs? You'd have this perfect Cox Bar record. Um, the other... Actually, one more thing. Out on an Island, you know, we talk sometimes on this pod about bands going for it with ballads and, um, you know, sometimes they're swing, swings and misses, sometimes they're hits. Um, but even the swings and misses are, are worthy because, you know, they're going for it. I think this is a grand slam song. I love it. The other variable for me with Blitz is, is I grew up with, <laughs> you know, in the CD generation of punk rock, I grew up with Blitz hits, CD and that was kind of my yeah that was kind of my blitz gateway and so and and the go-to so like all these songs I'm more familiar with it in in context of that and um I don't I don't really know the history like was that was that do you guys know if that CD was remastered or like to me maybe I'm just making up in my mind but it feels like the songs sound different well it came out in the 90s Right. It's like the Cleopatra re-release that came out in like maybe 94, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I don't know if it got remastered. If They probably have to remaster it for CD, right? Like they took it off like the mm-hmm. original tapes. It did yeah. something to it. Like I think like, I think, I think it sounds cleaner and, and I think it works better for the songs, but anyways, Blitz best way band of all time, but in a scientific experiment of back to backs, um, you know, give me shock troops over voice of generation. And it feels wrong. It feels dirty because of that personal connection, but it is actually right. And color be surprised. I'm taking shock troops. Yeah. That's where I'm at. If someone asked me what's my favorite oi band, I'm saying blitz all day, you know, but God head to head. It's like, I'm taking shock troops. This side a shock troops might be one of the greatest sides of guitar music like in the history of music. Take that, Ben. Dan, let's go to you. Final thoughts and your choice. Yeah, so, you know, we kind of went over uh, Blitz after you were finished wrapping them up. So um, where are they now? I, I mean, I do love that it's referential of a, of a scene just a couple of years before and calling everyone out. Riot Squad, lyrically, I mean, not only is it just the perfect sounding punk and oi song ever, um, but the the story of the kid from the neighborhood that used to run with them becoming a cop and then beating up people around and then getting blamed and getting fired and then now everyone just kicks the shit out of him is uh, quite an ACB, ACAB anthem there. Uh, working, Ben related it to being this song as everyone's leaving the coal mines working in 1870 UK but what it's actually about is he's on the dole 
but he's working for his friend under the table while being on the dole, which was a, a very, uh, you know, ain't got no cars, don't pay no tax. Like, it's a very much like getting one over. And this was happening a lot at this time during Thatcher's uh, mass unemployment and shutting down of everything nationalized. Um, so many people were on the dole, but they were trying to pick up little jobs elsewhere to make uh ends meet and then you know there were all these like billboards all over england that would be like um a phone number to call to report your neighbors for doing this while they were on the dole and like you would get a small reward if you snitched on people and there's some really good photos out there of like graffiti like fuck off like ain't no grasses in this neighborhood and you know just great stuff like that well, I agree with you, Zach. Like side A is, I'm I, I might just say it is the best side A of all. And when we go, when we go, you know, side A versus side B's, like maybe we'll just do side, like all the best side A's against each other, and like all the best side B's against each other someday. I have no doubt that Shock Troops will be sitting on top. I'm really bummed that you all think Watch Your Back is not a good song because it's so catchy i love it so much i do agree with i love ben. it i do agree with ben on the uh trying to ride the fence between the two to the two sides like you know oh well we've got tons of you know national front hooligan fans so we better not take a stance against it but we don't also want to align with it you know i don't like that but you know they could be of talking about something else but we we think that and then i got your number i can almost hear zach singing the you can fool some people so because i've heard him like sing that before when we like talked about this stuff and how catchy that is it's so good um now when i'm putting the two albums against each other the only thing that's bad on on Shot Troops is Troops Don't Run. It's the only bad song. Secret Army is, you know, it's not great compared to Side A, but it's still an unbelievably great song. Like, when a bomb goes off in a city street, when a man gets killed, force police. Those parts are so good. Yeah, dude. It's like a, it's a 9 out of 10, like, Dropkick Murphy song. Yeah, it, I mean, it would probably be their best song. Maybe the one that you and I love off the first album can is the only thing that can put you know hold a candle to it. Now, so the highs on Blitz, though, like you've got Warriors, you've got Voice of a Generation, you've got Propaganda and Criminal Damage. Like those highs are equal to Side A of Shock Troops, but. Shock Troops only has Troops Don't Run. So, and I know that with Blitz, I can always get my singles and enjoy Youth, enjoy Raises in the Night, enjoy Someone's Gonna Die, and I've got Warriors on that seven inch as well. So, I'm going Shock Troops. I'm going down south. <laughs> Side A versus side B. All right, we are going side A versus side B on the second In My Eyes LP, Nothing to Hide. 
Discog says 99. I think Pop said 2000. Is that correct, Ben? That, that is correct. It came out in 2000. Yeah, so shout out to Pops. A real treat and, uh, yeah, a real contributor to this podcast. So, Pops, we love you. And I think all four of us love this LP. So we're going to give it some shine right now. And uh, side A, side B is a way to attack this because this thing bangs the whole way through. Like, it does not have any lulls, in my opinion. Um, Chris, what's your thought on this? This, uh, yeah, this record is is phenomenal. It's way too underrated. Um, I don't, more people need to be jocking this. Like, the whole, like, you know, what, what people refer to as, like, the 97 Youth Crew Revival era. Like, this is, in my opinion, the best record of that era. Um, you know, I love this band, drove 22 hours to the showcase to, to see their last West coast show. And it was great. Um, just like every other time I seen them, um, as far as side a versus side B. Yes. It's, it's absolutely great. Start to finish. Um, but for the sake of this argument, I hope this doesn't sound disrespectful because I don't mean it to, but you know, I went in thinking that side B might, you know, might put up a good fight because welcome to Boston is one of the best songs on here. And, and that leads off side B, but after, after re-listening, I, I came away thinking like side a totally smokes side B. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. Like side B is great. It's top tier, fast, hardcore with melodic, melodic touches on its own side B, you know, even if you took out welcome to Boston is a banging EP and, would stand out on its own but side a is just like such a powerhouse that b kind of pales in comparison for me at least i think every single song on side a is a hit um maybe not quite to shock troops level but uh you know maybe as close as you can get uh in in the youth crew revival era um and then all the songs on side a have at least one really cool moment in the song where you're listening and like a hook comes in or a bridge or, or just some, you know, melodic lead or something that just like catapults that song from good to great. Uh, like you're listening to you're like, yeah, the song rocks. And then you get to this part and you're like, Oh, but this part is so sick. Right. Um, I'm going side a in a landslide, but side B is real good too. This record is fantastic. Yeah, I'll back Chris and coming out the gate, I'll say I'm taking side A and I'll say my reasons why in a bit. But I will say that side B, I think, rounds out the album and is what makes it a great album because side one kicks and bangs the whole way through, but side B is kind of what rounds everything out, right? It makes it a great LP. So I don't know if the LP would be as great without side B, even though I think side A is slightly stronger. Let me dive into side B a little bit. Uh, Welcome to Boston. It might be the meanest song on the record. It's got that cool killing time breakdown at the end. And then on my side, again, we're talking about like branching out a bit. It's got like the dub breakdown. Shout out to change. And uh, also shout out to jaw, but kick it with the homophobia. Um, What's wrong with me? It's just like the short, the short boy song, you know, no breakdown. You just got to have one that rages. Uh, Then they bring in the big dig, which is the mid tempo banger. Another way is like almost like a fucking opus which is wild because like it's a under three minute, like fast, hardcore song, you know, 
but like again, it's like branching out, showing like they have like a lot they can do in this narrow lane. And then the last song on the record too is very similar to Another Way, in the way that it's like kind of an opus uh, for a for a youth crew revival esque song. Um, and they do like the double axe attack. If you're listening to this one in your headphones, you're stoked. Ben, what's your take on this? Yeah, I just thought of something. There's no, uh, there's no gang backups on this whole album, right? It's you only hear Sweet Pete's voice. Or am I imagining that? Is there a, a moment where you hear people yelling? Eh, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> this record is 19 minutes long, which means that it would have been 25 minutes if Brian McTurnant hadn't sped it up. Um, side A starts strong with Take the Risk with its uh, Gorilla Biscuit style octave breakdown and For the Moment, which contains one of the best four chord riffs that astonishingly hadn't been used yet by the year 2000. Um, listen to those snare rolls on the title track. That's a pro behind the kit, but this is not pro core. Uh, there's something lifetime-ish about the song Making Sense or maybe even Saves the Day-ish. Please don't kill me, Pops. Uh, side B opens with some dude welcoming me to Boston, getting some of that saves the day vibe on on my side. Pops is never speaking to me again after this. Uh, that reggae drum break is tight, T-I-T-E, and the rest of the band doesn't go into a reggae part, which is very tasteful of them. We don't want to get all sublimey on, on, on our audience here. Um, now we have the Faith cover uh, played faster than the original, which is a great choice. And then another way is catchy and has lots of stops. Not looking for approval, not looking for praise. Dan, 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 dan. And then the last three songs on side B all sound like they could be the last song on the album. So it's sort of this strange long goodbye for a 19-minute album. I'm going side A because it hits you hard six times and leaves you wanting more. Man, that's pretty brilliant. You're right. Like It is kind of like a long goodbye on such a short record. And like, that's kind of what I was trying to say. I think with saying those last two songs are like the opuses because obviously I mean, it would be weird to just have like the one mid tempo song be the last song, but uh, yeah, super sick. Dan, what's your take on this? I mean, I'm glad we're talking about this LP. As Chris said, this might be, you know, this and floor punch are the best of the best to come out of all of that. And um, this LP is better than the first LP by some distance it just is recorded so well um the way pete does the because the the band you know it's a youth crew band so they're doing lots of stop start stuff and he's just so punchy on like hitting those parts with vocal like stabs that are very almost like percussive you know like just like it's so good um side a is all killer, no filler. Like it's like you all have said, it's just so strong. All the songs are great. And side B, yeah, maybe the last song's a little bit, um, you, you know, you're saying that long goodbye. That's a pretty good way of thinking about it. But for me, the star of the album is another way. Um, not only musically you know it, it tempo wise everything about it and just not looking for approval not looking for praise live by example show there's another way we seek perfection hope for direction live what's in store like it's such a great message and it's delivered with 
such aggression in the true, you know, following on from youth of today where giving life lessons in a way that could be regarded as being cheesy or, you know, rose tinted or whatever but when they're delivered with such aggression you can't help but tap in and just believe and just say you know what this is passion this is fucking truth i'm going side b because this song is on side b you know another way steals the whole show and in my eyes rules and i absolutely love this record yeah that opus like the ringing on the fast parts like before it goes the breakdown is so good Ben, did you did you choose A or B? I chose A. Okay, right on. I'm choosing A as well. I want to dig into this a bit. Um, I had like this record when it came out, like the first song, like they're going like mid tempo and kind of like a rock and roll. And when I heard the first song the first time, I was like, I don't like this because when at this time, like we're a little long in the tooth of that youth crew revival era. And there was like people getting over it, like over hardcore and shit. And I was like, oh, maybe like they're trying to not be like straight hardcore anymore, right? They're trying to like go rock and roll, like a lot of kind of bands went around the time. And, but it's like they, they pull it in so good, right? Like that I always promise, I try my best. Like Chris is right. Like all these songs, they have like some hook in it, they, they all have like a special part in it. You know, and that second song is kind of the same as the first in the way that it goes back to like kind of a rock and roll thing. It's like the do da 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 with like out on the hi hat, like they're Fleming between like the the kick drum and the snare, whatever. Um, nothing to hide. It's like a great setup song. It's a good song, but it's like kind of an LP song. Just is is there. It's good, but it's not a standout. And they really make you wait for it on this album, in my opinion. You know, like the first three songs are good, but like here you are, and the meat of this LP is these next three songs. This one, two, three is like so good. I can't like explain it. It's like the apex of the genre, right? Like so fast, so like slightly melodic, so like sincere, so like just the the vocals like dancing over the top of like this fast music where you don't necessarily know where it goes, but you hope it's going to go somewhere. And then it goes there. Like, I don't know. Can't live through me. feels like it's almost fallen apart on the verses, which like gives it so much character. And then they finally hit you in my eyes, dude, they're popular because on their fucking intro on their demo, they hit you with great octaves. That's why we like them. They're a youth group band that does the octaves well and doesn't sound like a shitty version of Gorilla Biscuits. Right, they make you wait till song number four here, but when they hit you with the octaves on this "Can't Live Through Me," you're like, "There it is." They made me wait for it, but it was worth it. It's so sick. Um, that song is great, and that and also song four is like when they start getting down on the guitar, like kind of doing like not just power chords or bar chords, like they're letting like the they're hitting this the single string shit to make it like fancy, and they do it so tasteful and so good. Perspective. Good God. It's like uh, just one of the songs that like it starts out fast, but like there's so much emotion, like the guitar work and the chord progressions, like it gets you in the feels like straight in the first like five seconds. Like 
music like this is so wild. I'm going to put this on the playlist because like, I don't know. There's like nothing like it. It's so good. It's so like top of the genre that you have to hear it. It's like, it's fucking perfect, you know? And it's so ill to be talking about something that's not like negative approach. Can't tell no one and saying something is perfect. Right. Or talking about side a of like uh shock troops, like this perfect. And this is fucking perfect. Fast melodic hardcore, you know, like, uh, yeah, just gives you the feels out the gate and then making sense. The trifecta of this, like that there's like speed picking It's very aggressive, but it's like melodic and almost like the chorus is like over the top melodic, but like Pete's vocals are so monotone that it just holds it back. Right. Like they can't go somewhere that's lame, right? Like they're not going to sing here and ruin the song. It's like straight in the pocket. Still, this is like, as melodic as you can get without falling off the stick. So yeah, these three songs in a row are apex of the genre, apex fast hardcore with like the melodic shit. And uh, I love it. Side A, shout out to Pops for writing this stuff. Fucking genius. What's up, dude? Um, yeah, final thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I mean, we have to give a shout out to Dandy's Marshmallows uh, because they're the vegan marshmallows that are just burning just enough but not falling off the stick. Um, I think this LP is just, I mean, you summed it up. It's like, it's the best thing that is an evolution from the very best thing, right? The music that came out 86 through 89 that we absolutely love from this, this is the, you know, 10 years on synthesis of what that is mixed in with you know other things that have come around and other influences that come from the outside world that are still channeling all this youth crew hardcore and this is the you know the 2000 era version of it and it is it's just perfect i mean this is such a perfect record and it because they broke up right after or even during the release of this lp it fell through the cracks to some people and it really needs to be paid attention to. Yeah. Ben, final thoughts on this record and then also uh, the episode. Yeah, this is the best full length of the this, uh, you know, second wave of youth crew. Um, and it really does stand the test of time. Like, you, you know, five years after the dust had settled or seven years or 10 years after the dust had settled on, on this whole scene. I found myself listening to this album and thinking like, wow, this is the one. Like, you never know what's going to – I did like this when it came out. I did like this more than the first album when it came out. But you just never know what, what's going to stand the test of time, and you can't plan for it. And this just did somehow. I mean, it did because it's really good. But a lot of stuff we thought was really good back then that didn't. So um, I listened to Perspective while you were talking about it. Zach, I muted myself and it's like, God damn, you're right. That is such a great song. Um, so shout out to, um, everyone who was involved in working on this album. Hell yeah. Chris, final thoughts. Uh, no, I mean, I think I shared them all already. I guess I'll add one thing, a little behind the scenes, um, of one of my bands champion when we recorded promises kept, um, you know, when you record an LP, you go through and, and you kind of think, okay, we have X number of fast songs, X number of like mosh parts, X number of like 
like when we were doing like the math for that record, we, one of the things that we, we discussed like in the practice space was like, we don't, we should add a song that has like the tempo of take the risk. So like, that's a little behind the scenes uh, that we actually, you know, referential from the tempo, like uh, for one of the songs on that record, like straight up was the tempo of that song, you know? Um, it probably doesn't sound too much like it because we didn't like listen to it and like try to bite it. But like we fully like, you know, wrote it in the studio with the, the intention of having a, a song that, that works into the formula of fast, slow, hard, you know? And, and that felt like a song that had like such a cool, unique tempo for a hardcore song that, that we wanted to incorporate. So it, funny enough, I think the song is actually called Perspective, which is uh, the name of another In My Eyes song, uh, but that was unintentional. Hell yeah, I love it. All right, Dan, where can people find you? On Instagram, at Southport Instagrammer. Booyah. All right, Ben, where can people find you? On Instagram, at Cold Chillin Book. And Chris, where can people find you other than surfing that pismo pier and yo if anyone snakes chris we're all coming for you <laughs> uh on social i'm at uh on instagram and twitter chris williams 51 and also change nwhc on twitter hell yeah get at me 185 miles south at gmail.com that's the best way because uh the dms get a little weird sometimes stuff can get lost in the shuffle but also, we're 185 miles south on Instagram. Also, you can find me. I'm Zach Retali on Instagram. And you know, Retali is the best on Instagram. Everyone, we'll talk to you again next Monday. Thank you for the support.